This is John Stepling, and uh, this is Aesthetic Resistance, podcast number 75. Uh, with me in uh, New York, Long Island, Hiroyuki Hamada. Hi, Hiroyuki. Hi, John. Corey Morningstar in Toronto. Hi, Corey. Hi. Uh, Johan Edebo uh, in the north of Sweden. Hi, Johan. Hi, guys. I'm, I'm in Uppsala now, though. Oh, you are in Uppsala. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Varun Mathur uh, in New Delhi. Are you back in New Delhi or are you still in the mountains? I'm still in the mountains. Hello. Oh, good for you. Okay. Um, all right. So number 75, it's been a couple of weeks and change uh, since, we, since we did the last podcast. Uh, and as usual, there's all kinds of things to talk about. Corey, I'm going to let you start though, because you wanted to, to, um, you wanted to talk about a couple of things. So I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this week I'm feeling a little bit down just because the lack of interest in what's going on in Montreal, which is COP15, which is their, um, the biggest conference. Um, they have the, the biggest police presence that they've had there in two decades for this conference. And there is actually um, protests on the street, even though you never know it. And um, yeah, there's a presence there, but I just find people, the more people become um, <laughs> disassociated from um, nature and, and actually their own bodies, the, the less interested people are in what's going on with nature of, you know, along not just the plundering, but the monetization, the financially safe in nature. So I wanted just to talk about um, how that sort of leads in on the, the attack on the feminine. And, you know, I was just huh. thinking about, about how, you know, right across the board, um, it's like this erasure of the feminine, the erasure of women. And, you know, even now we have, you know, men can replace women. And then if you look at like the transgender individuals that are held up by the establishment, they are only basically put there in the media lens if they represent or uphold the Western um, conceptualization of beauty, right? Um, yeah. You're not seeing like ugly um, transgender people um, being, you know, um, put shoved down your throat, you know, and on the covers of everything and that. But, you know, this beauty, this Western concept of beauty is has nothing to do with um, being a woman. And, you know, uh, being a woman has everything to do with biology, not 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 superficial beauty. And then, you know, where, when I was thinking about this, like, where are the trans individuals against imperialism, against war, against capitalism, right? Where are those that do not meet the ideals of, of this Western beauty? And then, you know, here we have um, the capitalist ruling class um, salivating over the Western youth shaped into the amended, into the amended, Sorry, into the image of Greta and Capital, while um, the those defending um, land and, and life are literally terrorized and murdered. So it's just like how fucked up all this is, right? And trying to make sense of it. And then I, I told you I wanted to touch upon the solar, and we'll take a break and let you guys chime in on this. But first, I wanted when I mentioned that, then <laughs> Brown tied that solar in to the erasure of the feminine, and I just want to. Um, read what he wrote and maybe he could comment on it. I just have to find it. Um, okay. Yeah. 
So solar and the feminine, solar as the male principle, mostly commanded by imperial ideology of taking over the unknown, that is to say potential and transforming it into manifest reality. The primordial feminine, the nurturer, warrior, goddess, and crone, the one which births all things and into whose womb all returns. The who that destroys the male principle, that is to say swallow the sun and time. The dissolving is the solar, which is that the understanding of the soul race is purely material, purely time bound, out of touch with the cyclical cosmological time, and therefore out of touch with the divine feminine, the generator, the potential and regenerator, the mother, the goddess and the crone. And then I'll pass over to our, our beautiful poet, Varun, to expand on that. <laughs> Thanks for reading that out for me. Uh, it's just, um, I think, the disconnection from the intangible aspects of creation in, in general. If we look at it, the, the sun is coming out of something. It's coming out of the universe. And in a lot of Eastern mythology, the primordial womb and mother, the primordial goddess, is what births the sun, um, which then, through which we can then make differentiation in existence. And so that kind of also connects to how the establishment run narrative becomes the central sun for how we look at life, how things are being seen through. So they, they're allowed to shine a light on certain things and keep certain things in the dark. Right? That's what's happening right now. And so in that sense, they've taken over both aspects of existence that which is potential and that which can be seen. And so I think that's kind of what I was going for over there is that the, it's not just that <clears throat> all physical reality is only dependent on the sun, but the sun itself is birthed from the primordial potential and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, I think, and at the moment, I think <laughs> we are, we are facing this, really nasty and aggressive um, male aspect of existence because the sun is seen as the primary deity rather than the feminine that gives birth to the sun. So there is no balance anymore. In that <clears throat> well, I, I, yeah, I want to backtrack. Thank you, Varun um, and Corey. Um, I just want to backtrack a little to discuss um, the transgender question or because, because there is, um, there is a, there is a sort of ideological aspect here. And um, I, I want to read you Joanna Williams. I, I had this in my recent blog post. It's a very short paragraph um, <clears throat> from a much longer article. And, and I don't know much about Joanne Williams, to be honest, except that I'm, I have a suspicion she's politically conservative. But I'm not even sure of that, to be honest. Um, but she was the only person I could find that, that wrote a, um, a cogent overview of this question. So let me quote this paragraph. Quote, 
Whereas the gay rights movement was about demanding more freedom from the state for people to determine their sex lives unconstrained by the law, the transgender movement depends, demands the opposite. It calls for recognition and protection from the state <clears throat> in the form of intervention to regulate the behavior of those outside their identity group. Whereas in the past, to be radical was to demand greater freedom from the state and from institutional authority. Today, to be radical is to demand restrictions on free expression in the name of preventing offense, close quote. Um, <clears throat> now, now, you know, I could start nitpicking even that paragraph if I wanted to, but, but she makes a couple of rather obvious points. Um, and, and you have to ask the question at whatever one, wherever one comes down on this, and I think that it's rather obvious that most of the transgender stuff is hugely misogynist, misogynistic, and, and it is sort of anti-female, it's, um, it's men um, deciding they can be better women than women in the same way that a lot of the AI stuff is that machines can be better humans than humans. Um, you know, I always refer to the Terminator where, you know, an android could be a better parent than a, a real human parent. Uh, the, the, so these things, you know, these things go back a long ways. I mean, they go back to the Industrial Revolution, really. But uh, at what point did... <laughs> Did the transgender movement gain such traction, gain such visibility, and why did it? Because we're talking about a very, very small minority of people. Now, you know, because of, because of the uh, visibility and um, the, the promotion of this idea, you know, you, you get drag queen storytelling hours at public libraries, family friendly. Family friendly, um, drag queen. So, you know, there are these contradictions embedded in this, obviously, because at, at some point the drag performance, and I, I underscore the word performance, was meant to be a subversive parody of some sort. Mm. There was always a political critique buried in there, even if it was, you know, relatively superficial, perhaps, but but it was, it was in general um, a subversive and, and sort of radical outsider um, subject position, as it were. And, and now it is being incorporated into, you know, um, the status quo soccer moms show up and bring their kids and go, look, it's, it's Jimmy, it's a drag queen. Um, would you like to be a drag queen someday? You know, I... <laughs> I mean, I think of the, that scene in Airplane, you know, with with um, Leslie Nielsen, you know, Jimmy, have you, uh, you ever seen a grown man naked? Um, it's a great scene. Did, little did they know how prophetic it was. Um, this stuff, uh, it, it's very strange and it's unsettling and uh, it, it, but it is, but it is reflexive and you know, extraordinarily uninvestigated. The implications, I mean, it's just suddenly this became a marketing campaign. 
the the yeah. the implications were ignored deeper questions <clears throat> of you know childhood sexuality and the psychoanalytical aspects of of maturation for children and you know gender recognition misrecognition body dysmorphia all of these questions are completely ignored and you just hire this ugly doofus in a dress who becomes the surgeon general of the united states um you know, and apparently the kleptomaniac who is, you know, um, this cross-dresser who is the head of the Energy Commission has two felony warrants out now for theft of luggage. You can't, you you couldn't make this up, you know, because it, it, it I, I just, okay, I, everybody's hand is up. Johan, let me start with you and then Corey and Varun. Yeah, sure, thanks. So, so one of the keynotes on on this uh, this last couple of days conference actually framed what you're now describing as as a cry for help, which I think is is quite interesting. So I think there are many very relevant observations you're making here, and I think you're completely correct in that there there is a there's a connection between transgender ideology and the AI narrative in a profound sense. And let's try to unpack that a little bit. But so, so as a background, just let me give me a few <clears throat> reflections from, from this conference I, I, I was at. It was, it was a really interesting uh, uh, kind of environment, which uh, was refreshing to me because it was the first really critical take on AI discourse I've, I've ever encountered in academia in the last you know, three years. So, so it, was, it was great to be part of it. And it focused on, on what people termed military imaginaries in connection with AI and climate change narratives. So imaginaries here is, is this new noun, a new fresh noun, which basically means the same thing as myth, as I've been using that concept in my talk. It also, you know, overlaps with ontology to a sense. In a sense. Uh, and my take-home points from, from this conference are a few, but, but the main thing that struck me was some of these researchers' sources from, well, NATO reports and closely aligned think tanks and how astonishing these narratives really are. I mean, they're openly talking about full spectrum dominance through cognitive warfare in a way that you know really exceeds the most extreme hyperbole we've been tossing around on this podcast so i'm just yeah. metabolizing this at the moment but they're actually unironically using the concept of neuro governance in reference to governance through through neuro data that is the the employment of biometrics data on brain activity digitalized health records mass genomics etc to not only react immediately in real time, as the system currently are capable of, but to predict contingencies ahead of time and to erect automatic systems to, and I'm par paraphrasing here, to dispatch counter narratives, which are culturally resonant as soon as, you know, some sort of potentially destabilizing point of view emerges. Let me just finish here because you, you thought that fact checkers online were, were dystopian, but, but this, this shit's on an entirely different level. I was really surprised to see the first-hand source. <laughs> so so they're, they're laying out 5 and, and 6G 
explicitly touting them as exponentially increasing the availability of neural data. So you can get this wonderful merger between algorithmic governance and the intimate and incisive information of, of our inner lives. And the problematic is actually framed as how to know what people are thinking and how to manipulate these processes ahead of time. And, and they call it governance by empathy in some of these documents. I think it's brilliant. So, so please, please continue. Uh, I'll, I'll stop here. <laughs> um, I really like the, 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 the Uppsala Cafe background ambiance, I have to say. Um, uh, Corey? Wow. Okay. Well, when I started that sort of ramble that started this whole conversation that we're having now, and then I sort of got sidetracked onto how, um, you know, who the capitalists and the ruling class actually choose, you know, to put on the podium and be, um, be um, sort of, you know, the quote unquote leaders for, for youth and for people to look up to. I, what I wanted to say, like how that was tying into the erasure of, of of feminine and even of, of women is um, basically how that ties in with, with what's going on in Montreal, right? With nature now being a big part of this is um, genetic modification, which is now called rebranded. GMO is now um, geoengineering, right? Bioengineering, sorry, bioengineering. And so it's basically the, the men, right? Like the Euro-American World Economic Forum whoever you want to call, you know, they, they can do it better, right? They can make better women, they can make right. better yes. nature, yeah. right? They right. can make they they can, right. even, they can replace the womb of the woman, we don't need the womb any anymore of the woman, we can, man will make a better womb, right? And um, we will make better nature, we will decide what lives and dies. And we will. So basically, it almost seems like this um, deep hatred or, or jealousy of, of the feminine and definitely the hatred. And I mean, you even see that in Hollywood and movies. Every single thing you see is our women being murdered, kidnapped, you know, um, bad, horrible things happening to women. Like it, it's just everywhere. But it's again, like normalized in our culture. You know, on just uh, right, all, all the right. women that have just disappeared, Indigenous women in, in Canada. You know, it's just another thing no one talks about. Um, of you know, uh, no importance. And so, well, yeah, I'm yeah, just gonna, yeah, no, 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 I think I'm no, gonna, I, I, I just, I, and then I'll go to Varun. I just wanted to add that. Well, that um, and that ties into the fertility thing, right? Like if you right, think, that's they, what they, I just yeah. Okay. Yeah, get. go ahead. No, it, because it's. Um, I mean, there's there's multiple branches to this discussion of uh, the fertility being one. I mean, we almost daily there is yet another article about um, <clears throat> the the dramatic uh, drop in sperm counts globally, especially in in certain areas of of Europe and and North America. Um, both numbers, motility, the overall health of the male sperm is in dramatic decline. Um, female infertility is on the rise as well. Now, this has been going on for a while because, you know, this explains the, 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 the IVF industry, which is gigantic. I think people, you know, it tends to fly beneath the radar a little bit because, um, <clears throat> It's seen as, I suppose, in bad taste to advertise um, 
on on primetime television or something. But but uh, but it has accelerated, and the reasons for this, you know, we could spend several hours speculating about. But but it it has it has reignited the the seemingly you know um, impossible to kill overpopulation theme. I mean, this has been debunked over and over again for for fifty years. Uh, there are not too many people. You know, there are too few people at this point because reproduction rates are collapsing. Uh, you know, there are certain countries that are seriously worried about um, replacing workers in key um, technological areas and in all areas, really, but Japan being one of them. Uh, uh, and, and, and so there, there are not too many people, but uh, this, this, the myth of too many people, which is perpetuated by people like King Charles and, you know, Attenborough and all of a lot of the great reset um, front men and women, uh, because it serves their interest. Because what they mean when they say overpopulation is overpopulation of black and yellow and brown people, not overpopulation of white Europeans, uh, especially affluent, rich, inbred British royal <laughs> populations. But but that's really what they mean. Uh, because if you if you read articles by by any of the you know the guy who has multiple books and he's been wrong so many times that it's laughable Ehrlich, um, whenever you read one of his articles the artwork uh, includes photographs of Bangladesh or Lagos Nigeria or you know New Delhi or Calcutta or somewhere there is never a photograph of a busy street in Connecticut or something never ever. So the there is a you know this is white colonial um, uh, ideology revanchist colonialism um, rearing its head again, as it has been doing off and on now for you know a couple hundred years, but it certainly is in the ascent again. And and I want to mention a couple. We'll provide provide links for a lot of this stuff. But um, Sylvia Federici's book. And I can't think of the Caliban and something. Anyway, I'll provide a link for it. It's a terrific um, book about witch burnings and analyzing. She's a Marxist. Um, <clears throat> that the witch burnings were really because women post an economic threat, women's guilds, weavers, and so forth at the time um, were becoming too organized in the church felt. Um, threatened, and, but it's more complicated than that. Okay, um, and and I noticed that Paul Kudenik, uh, Winter Oak, has a piece on King Charles, uh, and I will provide that link as well. It's a good piece. For those of you who still think he's a charming, bumbling, avuncular uncle, he's not. He's a murderous colonial prick. Um, Varun. Yeah, I just wanted to add to what Johan was saying um, about AI and the profiling. There's uh, on Futurism now, on the Futurism website, there is um, companies that are installing brain scans instead of biometric ID for fingerprints and iris scans and stuff like that. That's already being companies with brain scans and so that they can know what your moods are before you walk into the office. Anyway. Um, <coughs> Just to go on with the with the transgender stuff, I think um, I, I just had a question. Is it more 
or is that just what I've been able to look at that more men transitioning to women or is there also news of it the other way around? Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, the answer to that is yes, there's a lot more men um, transitioning to women, but women to men is growing um, significantly, but they're, but they're complicated. These are not, these are not exactly mirror parallels, right? The, 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 the nature of, um, of, of the post-operative situation is different. There's multiple versions of women to men um, and, and uh, it's a, it becomes very complicated, but there's far more men to women is my understanding. Um, anyway, continue. I, inter I interrupted you. And yeah, then you no, have... no, that was, uh, but also, I mean, it's like, like Corey started with this kind of the decimation of the feminine principle in that sense is it, there's a takeover of fertility. And I think you've given some really good examples of that as well, considering the drops in sperm motility and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, there's also the emasculation of the male, which is going alongside with this, right? Like the protective nature of the masculine has been completely kind of, um, what, what's, the, what's the word for it? There's an emasculation of the male population happening as well, side by side. And I oh think, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, this story about the baby in New Zealand is quite symbolic of both procedures. Is the state will take over from the woman and the woman does not know how to look after its own child. I mean, look at nature. I mean, everybody's worried about whether it's an ape or a, or a cheetah or a lion or a, or a mountain lion or a puma or whatever. The, the female aspect which has a baby is supposed to be the most ferocious animal on the planet, right? And and in in terms of human society, then like, the traditional role of the male as a protector and the you know like all of those things they are now slowly completely transformed they've they've disappeared these this couple was forced to give up their child to the state so the state could do whatever it wanted for with it right mm -hmm. to, to right. suppose look after <clears throat> so this is it's it's getting a bit i don't know it, it's, uh, no that was but i mean that was that was a shocking story and it was not covered um all that much in in that i saw certainly not in norway or the u.s that much but maybe i missed it no i i mean i was surprised in fact that um there wasn't more outrage about that uh but but you know the the question of fertility and and reproduction and so forth links into ai and automation because you know there's a constant marketing um project underway that you can artificial wombs you can you know build a baby in your living room you see these are the slug lines for these articles and a lot of it's clickbait junk but 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 there is there is a trend, there is a normalizing, there is a preparing people for the idea that somehow, um, <clears throat> you know, it's okay that you don't have sperm. It's okay that you don't have sex. Um, it's okay that you don't have babies because we will manufacture, we'll 3D print your baby for you, don't worry about it. Um, you know, and so this is where everything seems to be headed. And, and, um, and you look at, 
you know, the Me Too movement, a necessary corrective, I guess, um, I mean, it was, but not in the way in which it happened, but it certainly has had a corrosive mm -hmm. and, and, um, and, on, and frightening um, effect on, on, you know, um, human relationships at this point, the specter of which haunts all kinds of um, fields and classes uh, it, because it has it has become fetishized and and used as and weaponized and you know used as a justification for all these secondary agendas and so forth but um but Corey and you go ahead first and then Corey go ahead all right yeah yeah sure and and uh, I think it's a very, it's a great observation, Varun, to connect uh, the, these processes to, to that uh, quite symbolic event with uh, the family and the child. And it also emphasizes how, how state power is, is de demolishing the family as, as, a, as an entity and this prim primordial uh, relationship between the, the human male and female and their offspring. So that's it's a very strong uh, symbolic involved but i i had i thought uh, exactly as you said corey you made a, a another great observation because they this neuro governance uh, deal they explicitly approach this this neuro governance through, through biometrics through, through data on brain activity health records and so on they explicitly market this expansion of control as a way of optimizing life, of creating resilience and actually speaking truth to power. So they frame this as like the, the evolution of digital democracy and, and liberalism. So, I mean, it's thoroughly totalitarian to its core, but it's framed as the, the pinnacle of, of enlightenment liberalism. And astonishingly to me, all of this is nested in climate discourse. So yeah, the yeah. DOD document, they, they, they stress how environmental justice is a climate adaptation strategy enabled within this DOD climate adaptation strategy document. And the Navy emphasizes how bold climate action is mission imperative for the Navy. So they intend to, quote unquote, employ the urgency of the climate crisis and harness our power to make change. And so, so as a parenthesis to all of this, I have a really hard time not to plug in the fact of the mass vaccinations and the so-called health passports and this overarching ideological tendency into this motive, this obvious motive. And that kind of goes to some really dark places. <laughs> um, yeah, Corey? Yeah, motives. So, and I mean, this all ties into emerging markets, right? I mean, um, transgender population is on a like, is, um, you know, has this relationship now with Big Pharma for the rest of their lives, right? And so this is all tied into industrial civilization, right? All these hormones and all the, all the therapies, all yeah, the pharma, and, a great point, right? Yeah. And, and then yep. the, the market right around the corner is that of the um, engineered baby, right? And so this is um, not even just a furthering of class divisions, but a strengthening of class divisions because that baby will be for the rich, right? The ba the rich people will have a baby, right? And the, right. Poor, right. the, imp the impoverished will not, right? And 
I, I just wanted to quote um, something out of a paper that we, I mean, I shared it with the group in the last couple of weeks. So the shocking conclusion of the 2017 study was that if the rate of decline in sperm counts observed then continued, those counts would reach zero by 2045. The zero wow. by 2045. The latest study concludes that as we, uh, that we as a society may be moving even more quickly toward that destination. And I really do believe uh, it's very likely that that's right around the corner. And people think, oh, that's crazy. You know, that can't happen. But when we right. look at everything that happens, like to actually um, be, it's, you're actually willful, willful, willfully blind if you don't see that they um, want certain things to come into effect. They have plans and they will make them happen, right? And it's funny how people think that, vaccines cannot be used for infertility when we've done that for decades you know in countries right, all over right. the world so there's um, <clears throat> a lot to be said about that well i mean a, a number of things i i again there's so many places to to um to start from but one thing that you just mentioned strikes me as important and that is um <clears throat> transgender relationship with big pharma um, with with the medical establishment, and um, it requires enormous expense, effort, um, in, in often a, a great deal of suffering on the part of those transitioning. Uh, it is not easy. It's not simple. Um, it is not mistake-free <clears throat> and seamless. You don't one day simply say, I am choosing to be a woman, and you and and then began hormone treatment and surgeries and all kinds of other things. Um, be, because it's, it, again, we're generalizing and, and, and you know, there are, there are variations within. I mean, at, at one end of the spectrum is, are, you know, just cross-dressing men, guys who make no attempt to look like a woman or anything. They just like wearing women's clothes. It's a, it's a sexual fetish. They get off on it and it's not uncommon. Um, but that's different than um, um, somebody who actually wants to, to change their um, gender identity. And, uh, you know, but what struck me about it was this relationship, this enormous pharmaceutical um, investment that the individual who is going to, to change their gender, they, they, you know, they establish a lifetime relationship with, with the medical community, with doctors, with pharmaceutical companies and so forth. And ultimately, you start to wonder, this, this kind of mirrors, this is a, a microcosm of the unsustainability of all kinds of projects that we are seeing um, in, this, in this attempt to, you know, in the reset, in the transition to a, you know, a digital one world, you know, um, <clears throat> surveillance prison, um, but none of us, electric cars are not sustainable. We don't have the rare earth minerals. Um, I'm not sure that, that because I don't know that there are enough studies on the long-term effects of gender reassignment, um, the, the, the hormonal treatment and so forth. These are relatively new medical procedures. And I have no idea, and I admit my ignorance about this, but I have a suspicion that this is one of the many things 
that is being marketed to the public that is not sustainable. Um, <clears throat> because none of the high tech, you know, Elon Musk, uh, you know, fantasy projects and you know, um, colonizing Mars and all these ridiculous things, but all the way down to the relatively prosaic electric car are not sustainable. I mean, there is an environmental crisis. There is a mass poisoning of the earth. And these things seem to, you know, be submerged and because they are not necessarily, you know, engines for profit. So they are submerged and replaced with titillating stories about, I don't know, you know, family-friendly drag shows and, you know, whatever the, the you know, outrage of the day is. And, and, um, and it's, it's very strange because I don't, I don't know if the people who believe in this, if they actually believe in it, I'm so cynical about everything at this point. <laughs> but if they if they believe in it, um, then they are delusional. You know, the 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 those who believe they can depopulate the planet, make it a, a private, you know, reserve for you know the one percent and digitally control in a in a in a fenceless cyber prison, an electronic surveillance state that knows where everybody is, that kind of data collection is not sustainable. That's impossible. We talked about Zuckerberg's metaverse being impossible. This is impossible. The energy drain for this level of data collection is impossible. Now, either they're delusional and don't know this, they, the ruling class of people promoting this stuff, or, um, they are even more cynical than I am, and and I'm not sure which it is. Okay, I turn it over to, to suddenly there are no hands here. Okay, I'll talk. Yeah, okay. good. Okay, so we started with that. Um, remember, we were going to talk about the solar. That's yeah. where we started, so we didn't talk about that yet. So I posted on my um, Facebook, which I barely use at all. It was actually an article that I saw Vroon share. And it's this picture, and I mean, it's this picture of a solar quote unquote farm, it's industrial solar. And this is what, when they talk about solar, you know, the World Bank and World Economic Forum um, corporations, when they talk about solar, this is what they mean. It's not solar panels on your roof. They mean in industrial solar at scale. So I have this picture and even people said, oh, is that real, right? Is that a real picture? Because it looks like an ocean. So. I mean, so we'll put a link to that so people can see what it actually looks like, right? Industrial solar. So you have all these panels, right? And then we have to um, think of the embodied energy and the minerals and metals and everything where this is from. And we know that we don't have enough on earth to do what they want. So we'll have to start mining the oceans. And I mean, all this just is mind blowing that people can look at this and think that this is sustainability and actually laud it and, and campaign for it. You know, and that's insane. Like what kind of an invent environmentalist um, um, would say, yes, this is good for nature. This is good for ecology. I mean, it, it's um, obscene, right? And so I just wanted to talk about that. You look at that. Now, every inch, every inch of this land has been swiped of all life, right? It's just been 
all life has been eradicated, whether it's been trees, um, soil for farming, whatever was there, it is gone, right? So first of all, you get rid of all the, um, all the life that's there. You put in all these panels and then what you have, it looks like an ocean, right? And so birds see this as a body of water. And once they get near it, they just literally fry up, they fall to the ground, they, they die, they're scorched from the heat. Um, but, and then to keep it like this, you have to maintain it with chemicals, right? Roundup, like this is another new emerging market, the industry and maintaining these solar um, farms, I, I don't know what we should call them, solar farms, they have to be maintained with tons and tons and tons of chemicals to keep all life away, right? So we're actually um, making sure there's no life for, the, for these um, products or, or these projects done in the name right. of sustainability in nature. So it, it's, you know, so obscene, so grotesque. And then after 20 years, all these contracts are over, right? The panels are created to become obsolete. So they'll be broken, not working, what, what have you. There's no way to recycle this stuff yet anyway, probably never will be. And so then what happens in 20 years? And now this land has been um, doused with chemicals for 22 decades. Then what? Then what? How, how do you ever, you know what I mean? How do you ever reclaim this land again? Right. And so it's just unreal. It's unreal. You yeah. know, and then what, well, and then what well. happens? This energy, what happens to it? Oh, I'll tell you what happens to it. It gets <laughs> sold um, for more data centers. It's so right. it's the old, it's the Jevons paradox. The more energy we make, the more we use. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> Absolutely. So, but it's but it's all this, it's it's interesting because all of these, all of these industries, these emerging markets are creating um unsustainable templates, unsustainable ideas, and, and um, uh, the, the, the entire uh, model that is in play, whether it's, it's you know, pharmaceutical and it's lifetime dependence for somebody who is in a sense becoming an artificial woman or man, you are, you know, imagining artificially birthed babies, which I think is impossible actually. But you know, all of it, <clears throat> you are imagining all of this stuff, 3D printed this or that, 3D printed meat, you know. Um, we can make it look like meat, we're getting close to making it taste like meat, uh, and so forth and so on. All of this is stuff that you know is not sustainable. Um, that causes more pollution, uses more energy than just a herd of cattle. You know, that worked fine for thousands of years. Now somehow we have to, you know, build machinery, use chemicals, pollutants to create machinery that will somehow replicate meat, except not really, but <clears throat> in in the belief that this is somehow green. And of course it's not. Meanwhile, we will continue to conduct all the wars we want and, and manufacture you know, 30 more billion dollars worth of fighter jets to sell to a dictator somewhere. That's what, <clears throat> that's what strikes me about it is that we, people are the emerging, it's like the emerging market 
for the artificial, for for you know the non-natural, the unsustainably non-natural, and and I, it's just strange because it all looks to be part of a of a fabric of delusion, really. Um, Johan, and then Varun, and then Hiro Yuki. No, I have a question for Hiroyuki. So, so uh, uh, okay. I'm thinking about uh, when when Corey speaks here. I'm thinking about the sun as symbolic and as a primordial source of life, you know. And this is kind of a Jungian question. And I, I'm sorry, I'm always pigeonholing you into art stuff, but but you'll have to excuse me. So, so Hiroyuki, do you think that there's uh, a sort of uh, stubborn counter tendency within? art as an um, kind of immediate reality that acts in opposition, these overly reality denying imperial narratives. Like is there something inherent to our human mistaking and artistic inspiration that cannot really be tamed or, or at least always will tend to guide us back to reality somehow because uh, that's kind of my intuition. And, and what do you think about that? You, you mean basically what art can uh, do to counter all that? Yeah, something, yeah, yeah, of um, course. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, the short answer is, um, I, I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> That's I mean, a good short answer. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's... it's um, to me, uh, making things is about uh, connecting dots and uh, thinking about what life is, what's fundamental to our existence, and uh, also uh, about it's about social relations um, as yeah. well, because in order to um, share things it's important to have community and um uh, uh to be able to understand each other and uh um making things making art gives us a common ground and uh we, we can go from there at least and um um and it's also it's real it's even though it's uh, fictitious things, we work with elements. We put things together, whatever that is, could be wars, could be sound, could be materials. And when materials meet, elements meet, there's a real dynamics and something happens. And um, that allow us to be beyond something uh, we know because materials, uh, elements around us always um, tell us things that we might not know. So um, I don't know if I'm answering any of uh, <laughs> things you're saying, but but you know it's it's. Um, um, you know, I, I I was just listening to what you guys are saying, and uh, it, it it's um, it's it's really obvious that the um, uh, the trajectory we are put on is um, completely the uh, product of the 
capitalist entity because you know we're talking about unnatural uh remedies measures that are not away from uh that that are away from who we are and it's about managing uh it's about domestication ultimately so when we talk about uh we have to do this we have to do that we're always forced to talk about how to utilize the uh, tools of um, the authority, you know? So um, it's, it's, it's really um, um, uh, educational, you know? I mean, if we have the um, tendency to look at the bigger picture and if, you don't, if we don't have the capacity to connect all these dots, we will be forced to um, be in a circular arguments because we're talking about um, um, basic issues that are problematic uh, to begin with, like gender relation, um, uh, environmental problems. I mean, those are all created by the capitalist system and they would chop them up and sell them to us yeah. with their solutions, I, you know? I think, I, let me, I'm just gonna, I meant to say this earlier and, and apropos of what Corey said and what Yuki just said and what Johan just said, because it all kind of ties together. There, there, you know, there is a, there is a fundamental class um, aspect to all of this. Uh, the, 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 that automation has um, cost so many jobs that unemployment is such a, um, an extraordinary problem for, for most of the advanced West, certainly the EU, North America, what was the Commonwealth, but also a lot of the Asian um, <clears throat> big economies face you know, a crisis of unemployment. There are simply no jobs. So, so part of this, all of the reason, it must be remembered that, that however delusional or not the, the people implementing or initiating these projects are, uh, the goal is that there is one or another um, solution to this unwanted population, this surplus population. What that ghoulish little twink, who, what's his name, Harari, said they're useless eaters. They're useless eaters. Um, and there was some other, some other TED talk ghoul talking about, you know, that anybody who lives past 70, meaning of the lower classes, um, was, was a burden on society because, you know, they could no longer work. And so what point was it to have them around? Um, I mean, I'm sure Soylent Green is around the corner. I mean, I don't doubt that. And, and uh, it will be the underclass that is being eaten. The, you know, <clears throat> the, all of these fairy tales, <clears throat> a lot of it is just political theater. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I'm sorry. I really, you know, I, <laughs> it's hard for me to believe anybody takes certain parts of this circus seriously. Um, this political circus, because it's because it's laughably absurd, ridiculous, and yet 
you know, it seems to just keep rolling along. But but uh, the real issue underneath this is you have, from the point of view of the one percent, you have a massive army of useless eaters, a disposable surplus population that they they're going to have to do something with, because they already see the front edges of social unrest, the massive strikes in on the agricultural workers strikes and farmers strikes in the Netherlands, in Germany, strikes in Italy, um, across parts of France. There is social unrest everywhere. There is social unrest in the United States. And, and we're not even beginning to touch on homelessness, which is another unsustainable reality right now. You can't have hundreds, thousands, a half million people on the streets in big cities in the US um, indefinitely because you will have outbreaks of cholera and all the different diseases of insanitation. You'll probably have plague at some point. I mean, the, that's not hyperbole. You can't, that's not sustainable. You can't do that. So, uh, you know, the Nazis had one solution and a lot of these, you know, a lot of the people we're, we're sort of pointing fingers at today um, are people that are the legatees of, of you know, the ideologies of national socialism. I mean, these are fascists yeah. and disposing of unwanted people is kind of a specialty of theirs. Johan. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I mean, no, but I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think lots of people really believe this, this spectacle, at least, you know, a sizable enough minority um, because this marketing of, of this expansion of control, whether in, in terms of financialization of nature or, or neurogovernance as ways of optimizing life, I, I think that's essentially a way to sell us these easy solutions to complex existential problems, as both you and Hiroyuki say. I think you're both right on target here. But I mean, people like easy solutions, especially people trained on, on propaganda their entire lives. And I, I'm, I'm gonna stick my neck out here. Uh, but uh, and just say it outright because I, I think this obviously connects to how transgender ideology lends itself to these liberal narratives of militarization. I think contemporary transgender ideology can actually be understood as a military imaginary, as I've come to understand this, this uh, for me novel concept. If you just bear with me for, for a minute, then I, I think we're going to get a bit of flack for this, I guess. But, but as you say, John. <laughs> I, I think contemporary trans discourse is deeply reactionary, as we stated earlier. And the reason that I, I really agree with this characterization is that this discourse not only fosters this dependence on industrial technology and capital because yes, you need yeah, these pharmaceutical yeah. intervention, it also fosters something I would call uh, um, spectacular epistemology. In other words, this idea that mass media marketed narrative that imperial propaganda equals truth. So you get this social fact of the modern transgender individual as an, some sort of immediate proxy for the ontology that whatever the system says is true also holds. I mean, don't believe your lying eyes. The assistant secretary for health really is a woman in every sense of the world. And that's cognitive dominance, a form of, of right. metaphysical violence being perpetrated upon the public, I would say. Yeah, no, there's a really, that's so interesting. And I think that, that I, and I don't want to interrupt you because I want you to- No, no, I'm done, you go ahead. But, 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 um, <laughs> no, but I want you to continue. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> the, the, there is a there is there is um, there is a strange deformation of uh, of class relations that goes on. I mean, the transgender yeah. thing because there's a lot of high school kids now, and they're pushing it for um, for you know early pubescent you know teenagers, early teenagers. Um, and and this is actually pretty shocking because everyone knows kids' brains are not formed yet. You know they're not nearly fully formed. My God, I couldn't have trusted my opinion about anything when I was fourteen at all about anything. Um, and and yet this is getting pushed. So that it's like this creation of a new priest class, almost a new kind of elite. Um, special cadre oh, yeah. of of you know warriors for hyper technology or something. I don't know. I'm just riffing here, but there is there is this there is this unsavory quality of specialness, and and Joanna Williams in that piece kind of implied that as well. Like that that you know um, they are. You know, instead of taking the the virgin and throwing them off the cliffs, or taking the virgin and chopping her head off um, as a sacrifice to the gods, now it's it's we are creating a you know a semi android of some sort, um, uh, you know, technologically uh, um, dependent. But I mean, the technology has intervened, digital technology all of these huge advances, this is progress. It also falls under um, the umbrella of progress that this is a new yeah. superior evolved technologically modified human being. And, uh, you know, that's why, but, but, you know, but there's contradictions. There's contradictions because the old subversive, um, fairly radical drag queen culture, the, queer activism that came out of that is eons away from this you know these are like kind of polar opposites almost and yet they're they're being lumped together in a certain sense um it's strange it's a it's a strange i haven't thought it all through i'm just sensing that right. that that there's something fascistic lurking around the edges of oh, this because yeah. i i don't i'm not you know, I don't feel good about it. And 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 as fewer and fewer um, teenagers and people in their 20s are having sex, fewer and fewer, fewer births, fewer sexual, you know, less sexual activity, fewer births. And it's, it's not seen as a problem, right? It's almost seen as part of some solution, uh, which is get rid of the disposal, stop reproducing useless eaters, you know, that's, that's what's really being said, I think. Okay, um, Hiroyuki and then Varun, or Varun and Hiroyuki. I don't know whose hand got it. Well, well um, I'm just go ahead. Um, so I guess I, I, um, I, I, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I keep coming back to the fact that um, we're talking about um, um, establishment, um, forcing things from the people, and everything, anything can be allowable as long as things stay in the capitalist hierarchy. And this is a you know, difficult um, um, uh, proposition. You know, we're talking about a situation in which um, things are gonna get skewed 
contradictions are going to be solved with um, compromised solutions. And um, I mean, the, you know, if we don't see this as the basic um, um, problem, I, I guess um, uh, it's it's really hard to um, talk about anything because we're talking about um, uh, things that are problematic to begin with, like gender relations. Right. Um, and right. uh, you know, like right. I said, the env environmental issues and that those things are not good. You know, it, it, we've been having problems because of the uh, uh, our path as um, um, uh, capitalist beings. And right. so, you know, it's 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 really um, 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 I think it's it, it's very difficult. It, you know, I, I'm sure we're gonna get some uh, criticisms. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure this, uh, I'm sure we. You know, but the thing is, the thing is that 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 I think if you have um, a teenager who is confused about their gender. Um, um, or depressed, or you know, um, unsure. I think the resources available to those kids are are um, woefully inadequate. I mean, you're talking about yeah. people who, right? Um, are I mean, that's the problem to me. I mean, right? I mean, going, yeah. Like, I saw an I saw an ad the other. I saw a tweet the other day from a doctor, a life, a psychiatrist, who said. Um, animals will tell you if you're the owner of a pet who shows that you know she has he or she has gender confusion. You have to recognize by the kind of toys they play with that maybe your cat or dog really wants to be the other set. I mean, went on like this. This is this is you know this is a doctor anyway. Um, I interrupted. You. Please oh yeah, on. yeah. I mean, I mean that that's 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 totally. Uh, it's a good good example. I mean, we were talking about um, society that's not functional. It, it's right. not functioning right. according to the uh, interests of the uh, its members. We it, it, right. we're talking about society that's functioning for the interest of the ruling class. So you know there there will be problems. You know people are feeling uh, wrong about certain things and then we're forced to uh, swallow those solutions and also um, problems as well. You know, they, they would uh, magnify this problem or that problem, but they would never focus on the obvious problem of the, the ruling class with the uh, uh, enormous wealth accumulation and the, uh, you know, fictitious no, I'm, reality, you know. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the transgender movement, as Corey mentioned at the beginning, who um, also address issues like imperialist war and um, class inequality. Yeah. And that's that, then I'm going to start to take notice, I think, more um, in a in a more serious way because right now this is just a spectacle. This right. is just the latest. This is just the latest circus act. Varun. Yeah, I think I'll just go back to what Hiroyuki was talking about um, about the creation, like the process of creation as an artist. I think that kind of spontaneity and the intuition involved in that and the social relations that can arise from that. That's something that the establishment absolutely has to erase to keep itself in power. 
and that's right. in the sense right. that it cannot it cannot survive if people have the relationality which is dependent on intuition and i think uh, i think the the new zealand child example is sorry i'm sorry go ahead yeah no, we're also getting like weird echoes in here today go continue Rune. i'm sorry yeah so the the example of the of the the couple in new zealand i think that's a really good example but now what the other thing that's also happened uh, i think yesterday is that indonesia has just made a new law that ma um, the sexual relationships outside of marriage are illegal including for tourists so there is this move in like in the world community where the relationality of two individuals has to be completely entrained by the establishment and that we know is like you were saying is just sinking of trillions and just countless trillions of dollars into some delusional plans so right. well the other we also have to go ahead suffer it there's so yeah, i'm just saying like we just about. have to like watch this happen and sit back and suffer it and well, really have a clue about what to do about it. Right? So. No, I and and the other thing is, I feel like I'm interrupting a lot of people tonight. I'm sorry. Um, uh, the other thing is to bear in mind, as you know, because it, you know, lest people start accusing us or me of being transphobic or you know homophobic. I mean, which is you know probably coming um, and not true. I feel like. In fact, you know, let's people need to step back. The, the, I said before, one in four Americans takes antidepressants or has been prescribed antidepressants. That number is increasing, apparently, since the lockdowns, depression, self-harm, feelings of, um, of worthlessness and lack of hope have, have dramatically increased now. You know, I'm sure somebody will come up with statistics proving the opposite, but that seems to be the case, and that would make sense. Um, here you have an entire population, in a sense, dependent on the pharmaceutical industry. Why? Why does a society, why is it so unhappy, so dissatisfied with its life, that it needs to take this level of uh, medication a, a medication that treats symptoms and not underlying causes of, um, you know, psychotropic antidepressants, mood elevators, don't, don't, ever, you know, they're not saying or, or advertising or promising that they're going to cure the source of your depression. They are simply looking to mask the symptoms somehow so that you can, you know, return to work tomorrow. Um, so, so, you know, we're talking about a society so that, that is so unhappy and, and people function in a state of denial about this. They go about their lives, they get upset about whatever the latest sideshow is, news story, Kanye West or, or Kardashian or somebody is doing something. Oh my goodness, this celebrity, this influencer is is saying this and they're not saying that and and there is a 24 you know new hour news cycle that that spews this stuff out this distraction out all the time all the time all the time the better that those depressed dissatisfied people not think about 
the sources of their unease, their isolation, their loneliness, and their depression, which is, of course, inequality, capitalism, class oppression, all of the things that any reasonably literate person would understand. Um, Johan, and then Varun again? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting kicked out of it. Cafe, so I'm oh, just okay. Make a couple I'm sorry, of points. No, 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 no. It's yep. fine. I got, got plenty of time. So I completely agree with this point you're making, John. And uh, it's, it's important to emphasize that there is genuine suffering here. But just, I just want to continue on your reflections. There's some something fascistic lurking on the edges here, because I think transgender ideology and, and kind of broadly speaking, the woke phenomenon function as this sort of tethered rebellion, because they're both formally quite radical. Sex change is a strong statement, if nothing else. And at the same time, they're, they're profoundly in line with imperial ideology for all the reasons stated. And as you said in the beginning, John, transgender ideology, as it's constructed in, in this secular marketplace, also reproduces these commodified expressions of the sexes in a capitalist order of production. And which I think is really, really important. It allows the imperial system to function as the savior, this, this rebellious force for freedom whose technological spectacle is the only viable liberator of our innate human desires and, and potentials for flourishing. But I also want to emphasize that, that this isn't a reductive perspective. I mean, there's of course genuine suffering here, but it's so important to emphasize that the pro problematic is specifically constituted and created by the capitalist order and how it constitutes and constructs gender relations and gender performances. And there Absolutely. are lots of other ways to express these types of experiences that are now lumped together into to transgender category outside of, outside of the imperial narratives. We, we can do this outside of the imperial narrative. So I gotta go. I, I really love you guys. Thank you so much for, for, for doing Thank it. you, Johan. Thank you, Johan. Um, I'll speak to you later. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, Talk to you later. Yeah, I, I, go ahead and, and, um, and, and I was just I'll, saying, uh, but it's, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a simple thing, right? Like I mean, in India, we've had a massive community since I've grown up, since I've been born. We've had massive communities of transsexuals and transgender people and if there is a need for empowerment, then why are they not ever on the news? It's yes, only, right. I don't Absolutely. know, it's only just white males in like Absolutely. prime of age that are yep. on the front yep. pages of every single newspaper that you can imagine, right? Like if, if there was a really an empowerment of this, there are people who have suffered because of bad med medical procedures lying in some godforsaken slum. Why are they not being yes. looked at? You know, so there is something Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And, but that's true in the United States too. I mean, the homeless transsexual community, everybody knows about it. They almost invariably resort to prostitution out of necessity to support themselves um, and survive. And often uh, these are black and brown um, homeless transsexuals, not always, but a lot of them. Um, and, and, there are organized prostitution uh, rings. I remember, that's a long story, but I knew somebody who was connected to one of them that, that catered to um, um, Asian businessmen, Chinese, Japanese, very wealthy businessmen who wanted um, only relations with transsexuals. Now, the point here is that um, the hypocrisy is also extraordinary. Um, the, those those homeless uh, 
transsexuals get no help, no assistance, but their customers are all the people um, who have money and promote this, this carnival, but make sure that those unacceptable, you know, the homeless outsider um, <clears throat> aspect of this spectrum of this, of this community, uh, spectrum's the wrong way. This community is, is, um, is kept invisible. So that you, as you say, it's always the white men, um, the Surgeon General, the head of the Energy Commission, whoever it is, these are the people with visibility and this becomes a story or it's a celebrity or it's an influence or it's somebody who's starring in a Netflix series this year or, or HBO series, the, the model <coughs> stroke actress in Euphoria who, who apparently is, you know, um, non-binary uh, and and I think yeah you know um, who happens to be white of course and from a reasonably um, upper middle class background as I understand it I could you know someone may correct me on that but I don't I think that's what I understand the point being that it's always class it always comes back to class everything always comes back to class but people fetishize these things go oh well you're criticizing you know um, transsexuals. No, I'm not. I'm criticizing the exploitation of this movement by um, by Western capital, essentially, as another form of um, of dependency and and um, submission to you know the dictates of of a, of the status quo, essentially. Okay, that's also, the end of my. Also, it's a it's a it's an appropriation of the narrative for the for the means of the establishment i mean that's basically all the icons that you can see are either political or they're in some sort of entertainment and that is essentially what i would call propaganda it's not kind of um right. grassroots real grassroots help in that sense no no no, I mean, you know, we could talk, we have before talked endlessly about like the US prison population, um, the wrongfully convicted uh, and on and on, the, the, um, the growing homeless population we've talked about. And, and now, you know, there is a proxy war in Ukraine in which I mean, almost on a daily basis, the Western media, the New York Times, Washington Post, and so on, simply lie. They simply lie through their teeth. It's extraordinary. And they're, they're busted in their lies. People go, wait, that's not true. Here's evidence that that's not true. There's no food shortages in Russian markets. That's not true. Here, look, there's a bunch of pictures of people at Russian markets and interviews with people shopping and there's no food shortages. There are more food shortages in Europe um, and in the US right now. There's certainly um, much higher prices for food and so forth uh, than there are in Russia. But you hear the exact opposite because this is for, for those in Washington and, and the, the propaganda wing of, of uh, the State Department, CIA. Um, <clears throat> this is war propaganda. They can they justify all of it because this is a war, um, and it's a necessary war in their minds. And and uh, it, so 
so what if you know Zelensky's you know shut down opposition parties and imprisoned opposition party leaders and Nazis run wild um, uh, you know torturing and beating up people and you know we're doing the best we can democracy is messy as Donald Rumsfeld once said and so they just keep going. And I, I don't know. I mean, no wonder more and more people need antidepressants because, the, you know, the contradictions just grow exponentially on a daily basis almost. It's extraordinary. Okay. Any final thoughts from people or other matters we need to touch on? I'll just, can I just quickly say, I mean, I, I think Please, Corey, not. Yeah, Corey was just saying, like, how long are people going to believe what they tell, tell them? And right. that, I think, the, the chasm between what is being said and what is being lived is so vast is that it has to collapse at some point. Right. And I think, right. And I think that is where the depression is right now in society. Maybe so. I, 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 I want to get to Hiroyuki, but I agree. And I, I think that we were talking about art earlier. Um, one of the things this last two or three years has taught me um, besides the, the the sort of shaming and stigmatizing and 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 intolerance of people to opposing views, has been um, a feeling of sort of quiet desperation running running through Western culture, and it has made me think more about the nature of consciousness. I mean, I have several blog posts about the nature of consciousness the finitude of death, what that means, you know, why is there something instead of nothing, those usual theological questions. Um, but I feel like I can't escape them now. It, it stares back at me every day, and maybe it's having young children watching them grow. I think, you know, these are multiple miracles, and, and, and there's something extraordinarily arrogant in in all of these practitioners of AI and 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 um, you know algorithms and surveillance and microchips put in your brain and interface human interface with computers, the arrogance is is breathtaking because they don't have even the tiniest idea of how to explain consciousness or existence. I mean, they're just so spiritually bankrupt, all of these people, this entire circus. Um, it's like the spiritual bankruptcy circus on tour. <laughs> Hiroyuki? Oh, I was just thinking that, um, you know, since we uh, kept saying that uh, this is unsustainable, that is unsustainable, and uh, uh, it's gonna collapse and all that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's good to remember that uh, that's that's by design, you know. Um, yes, 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 yes. So meant to be unsustainable. And uh, then they're going to come up with measures of um, harvestation. They're going to, uh, you know, utilize that uh, to financialize, uh, commodify. And uh, so, um, you know, it, it always comes back to... Um, the system and it's um, uh, the ruling class, uh, the beneficiaries, um, you know, we, we really need to um, look at it. And um, uh, yeah, I really, you know, keep, I, I, I keep wondering uh, 
what we can do basically i mean you know i'm i'm kind of embarrassed to uh you know you know I, I talk about it because i i i always um point things out but i i don't you know i think we're having a hard time um having momentum um directly yeah. countering yeah. against um the system you know we i mean we, you know the, the um well, I, can I say something to that? Um, I, because I think you're right. And, and I think that um, for everybody um, who dissents, who has spent years and years like Corey or, you know, any of us or, you know, done a lot of hard work for which there is no or very little financial reward, often not a lot of recognition or applause and often a lot of um aggression directed against us uh it's 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 it takes a toll on you i mean i i feel it it's exhausting it's depleting it's very hard and uh and i try to remind myself that but but people do wake up at certain you know there is a, that's what art does it provides um a delivery system for Satori, you know, people can wake up and, and I, and I hope more do, because I think if it was Corey who said that, that, that this sonambulant state of, of, of cognitive uh, paralysis that people are in today, this is another thing that is not sustainable. It's not, I mean, you're going to have either a massive, you know, 20, 30 million human version of Jonestown, or you're going to have revolution. And right, um, right, right. The revolution. That's, yeah, that's that's the uh, the momentum for the revolution, right? But yeah. it is really, really. Uh, um, um, yeah, I always um, feel like. Um, we're not going anywhere, but but uh, but at the same time, I do I do feel like you know I I am um, uh, connecting with others. You know, um, I talk to you guys, and um, I've uh, I've lost friends over the years, but I I have gained people. You know, people I can talk. Right. To. Right. Uh, no, I think we I uh, think we all have lost lots of friends and we've we've made new acquaintances and new friends and um and that's just the nature of things, I guess. I mean uh, it makes me feel bad because um I, you know I miss doing theater. I wish I could do theater uh again. It was something I was good at and something I loved and but but I can't do it anymore. I'm not allowed to do it anymore. Corey? Well, they talk about these things in papers and interviews, and they talk about it amongst themselves, they meaning ruling class, capitalist, global finance, they talk about that um, need to continue to maintain this class hierarchy by means of social license. And so it's really like um, a battle for hearts and minds, right? And it's... Um, 
you know, a lot of it, like if you look at NGOs and how they function and operate, a lot of it's based on they, they with every type of media message that they release beforehand, they do polling, right? And so a lot, so much of this is about what makes people feel good, right? And so a lot of stuff's not driven, you know, it's completely disconnected from reality. It's emo, it's driven by emotion, right? And, and you know, most people already know this, it's advertising, marketing, it's all driven by emotion. So facts become more and more irrelevant, you know, especially when we talk about people suffering and mental illness, depression, it even becomes more, you know, more important. Maybe people cling on to things that make them at least feel good, you know? Right. So, right. so again, just getting more and more disconnected from, from, the facts on the ground from reality altogether. Well, I think that's the, I mean, one of the great metaphors is, um, is, the, 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 is cutting, you know, of people who cut themselves, self-harm, cutters. Um, and, you know, the short explanation is because they want to feel something. And, and that's a metaphor for, I think, advanced capitalism today now you know screen habituated um numbness that people feel and um that's not sustainable that's intolerable and i and i think that um that in one sense maybe that's what people do um mentally right it's like mental cutting or something psychological cutting and maybe they have to cut other people to feel something. I don't know. All of these things intersect in some way and, and overlap. All right, final thoughts from everybody. Corey Hiroyuki Varun. Don't everybody speak at once. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what we call dead air. Just in case you were wondering, yes. I, I, have, um, I have so much in my head, so I guess I better just be more organized next time. No, you were yeah. perfectly organized. This ended up being very odd. I didn't think we were going this direction tonight, but everybody, you know, everybody's tired. Um, uh, it's the end of the week. And, you know, for me with the kids, uh, it's exhausting. It's minus 13 or 14 out here tonight. It's just so cold. Um, for a California boy, anyway, um, and and I just I'm tired, you know, I'm tired, and I read things like the family in New Zealand these stories, and it's very hard not to to feel a, a twinge of despair about that, and and think of my own children and think what what I do, you know, if they said we're taking your boys away from you because they need this or that and we know better than you it's terrifying these things are terrifying stories um so i think we're all tired that's my explanation um hiroyuki last thoughts and then baru yeah i have i have i feel like i have um, a lot of things in my head but i have i, I do have a hard time articulating today um somehow um and um yeah, but I, I do appreciate, you know, talking about these things, putting things on the table, looking at it together from different perspectives and knowing that couple people listening out there and they're going to do the same thing. And this is 
uh, this warmth my uh, heart a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Varun. No last thoughts at the moment, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, thank you all. No, I mean, I, I, this is this is. I think everybody said very interesting things tonight. It started with, um, with, with um, the appropriation of women, the exploitation and the replacement of women, this hyper-misogyny that one of the expressions of which is, is, is um, the transgender phenomenon, movement, um, marketing campaign, whatever it is. Um, but it's linked to, um, you know, the collapse of, of fertility in men, demographic collapse across the board, lack of reproduction, fear of sex, sex negative indoctrination culture. Um, it's, it's very odd and it's complicated because there's, there's contradictions within all of it. You know, I mean, porn is more and more normalized within society i see that in hollywood shows like it's kind of acceptable now characters what are you doing oh i was just watching this porno show it's all of these strange things are being normalized just like fascism is being normalized there's a swastika on that guy's neck daddy isn't that bad well no because he's actually a freedom fighter against russia it's not bad in this case it's a good thing uh this stuff is it's, there's so much of it, and it's you just drowned under it at a certain point. You know, I I I I try to make sense of it, and we all do. And um, and and a lot of it doesn't make sense. That's that's the problem. All right. On that cheery note, um, thank you all, and uh, we'll talk again soon. And thanks to Jack Lipman, as always in Los Angeles. Um, and I'll talk to you guys soon then. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Later. Bye. Thanks.